0: Good morning, good morning, welcome again this morning, and uh, as Katie said, I want to welcome all of our first-time guests. We know that uh, each and every week it's someone's first time, and that is, it's a big deal to us. Uh, My name is Chris, I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, if I hadn't had a chance to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, I love, it always takes me a little bit uh, to just kind of gather myself after, after baptisms, Um, and uh, it's just amazing to see in our first service, those that were baptized in our first service, and and then Merrick in this service, and so uh, it's just, that's the target. People giving their life to Jesus, people taking next steps, people getting baptized, young or old, and I love it, especially when young people, I I love when young people and kids are getting baptized, because I also know, oftentimes in the season we're in as a church family, I'm able to know uh, some of their families a lot closer. And so I know what that means to Merrick's mom and dad and the impact that has. And so uh, can we just celebrate with all those who got baptized this morning? Uh, Merrick in the first service. Those in our first service uh, just excited to see what God's doing in their lives. Uh, We're going to continue in our series Called Let's Talk Family, but before we do, I want to highlight yesterday. Yesterday, uh, we had Serve Day, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, Milestone Church, you serve all year long, and it's amazing the things that you do, the generosity that you have, the way in which you serve. But all across DFW, at our Keller campus, Hazlitt, we were down in Fort Worth, uh, up here in the North Dallas area, serving so many people. And there were so many areas, I mean, we there, there were projects going on for uh, single- Moms, there's a single mom that was actually out of town. They basically redid her whole front yard. Uh, She needed, uh, you know, just landscaping help. And just uh, she's got uh, five children and just was not able to do what she needed to do when it came to tending to her yard. But something as simple as an act of service and the impact that it has on her. There were uh, those that were making, and Merrick was one of them. Her mom was leading the team. They made uh, over 30 no so blankets for children in need. At Plano Children's Hospital, and so it was young and old doing that here. There were so many different types of projects, but I remember one story I heard about yesterday. We uh, partnered with Meals on Wheels, and we were down there serving, and uh, there was uh, uh, an amazing family that was there serving. And, and the, one of the ladies that was there, one of you Milestone members, were there serving, helping out. And uh, this individual just happened to be uh, in 301. And that's why we talk about the importance and the power of taking next steps and serving on the weekend or serving at Serve Day. And so uh, she had been at 301. And in 301 this past week, we were talking about salvations and baptisms and the importance of it. And even though we may be saved, you may be saved, What it looks like to also share that faith And and invite people into knowing Jesus themselves And so they're out there serving And they just ended up having a conversation This woman and this other individual that was there And uh, they started talking about salvation they asked, well, are you saved? Do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And the the lady said, I I don't And right then and there, they prayed with that lady She gave her life to the Lord They're out there serving at meals on wheels Yeah, I mean, and I told them I said, that's the target I mean... It's awesome we're out there in red shirts, we're washing cars, we're doing stuff for single moms, we're doing meals on wheels. But at the end of the day, while Jesus, I know, is pleased because we were out there serving. You want to know? All heaven rejoiced because that one person, while they were out there, they got up, thought they were just going to serve, met, the go- met Jesus because someone presented the gospel to them. And that's the power of not just Serve Day, but what you're doing, Milestone Church, and the way uh, we're serving and reaching people and building lives. So... Just so proud of you. It was an amazing day. And uh, these are just some of the highlights uh, of that day. So thank you for being a generous church. Well, as we continue today, I want you to, uh, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, Ephesians chapter four. We're going to get there in just a minute. But I want to set up, we've been in this series called Let's Talk Family. And uh, really, we, we're taking time. If you're just joining us, we're taking time because this is really the area of life that means the most to us, this is what we care about the most. And it really pertains to every season of our life, whether you're married or you're single, whether you're engaged or you're dating, whether you have children or you don't, whether you're an empty nester, this is the area of life that we care most about. And as we've been looking to God's Word and we've been talking about what does it look like to grow in our family, how do we win in this area of life that means the most to us, we've looked at a couple of things that really impact and help us, and they're really Foundational. They're not always the things we think about, though, when it comes to family, when it comes to challenges that we have in our family, when it comes to, to the challenging seasons, when it comes to navigating. What's it going to look like? What does this season look like to the next? How do we get out of this season and into the next? And what do we do and how do we get there? And, and we talked about it really starts with the foundation of humility and honor. Oftentimes, not the two things we think about when we think of healthy relationship or when we think of conflict or when we think of challenges we're experiencing in life. But I think when we engage in our relationships and in our families with honor and with humility, what begins to happen is this, is we begin to develop an avenue that really helps us in the area that means the most to our relationships and marriage, but it's also the place that we probably have the most challenge, and that's communication. Communication. I said this last week when we were setting up what humility and honor looks like, but but really, it really comes down to these key things when you look at it. And 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 before I kind of unpack that for you, it reminded me of it reminded me of Amazon. Anyone into Amazon Prime? You're thinking, well, not really, but I'm going to tell you right now, when COVID hit, you were all into Amazon Prime, because the only thing you could do was shop online. And it's like some of you, I drive by a house, and I was like, they really in Amazon Prime. They have about six boxes stacked up in front of their house. They're like, I just need that box. You got, I mean, they even have their own tape on it. You know when Amazon has visited the house. And see, the thing about Amazon Prime that I really like is they got two-day shipping. You're like, I like, and then you feel like you get something special because when it's like, if you order within the next five hours, you know, get it same day, I'm like, yes, bonus, I got it same day, I want my stuff and I want it yesterday. We like it, see, so much of our life is dictated by a delivery system, and when that delivery system is off, we know it. We get aggravated. You get that email from Amazon. Your package has been delayed. Expect it in four days, five days, a week. They're like, what? I got to wait five whole days for my... No, no, no. I pay for Prime. I want it yesterday. I need it now. I mean, that's the whole... I mean, it's like, what is happening? But so much of our life is dictated by a delivery system. You see, if, if humility is the principle... If honor is the practice, then communication is the process. It is the delivery system. When you're looking at let's talk family, when you're looking at healthy relationships and marriages and interaction with your family members and your children, it really is communication is the process of how we get there. It is the delivery system. And when communication is off, when the delivery system is off, we all know. You can tell and you can feel the interaction. This is where we live. And communication, it's a skill. It's a skill set that we have to develop. We have to grow in. We have to work on it. It doesn't matter the age, the season. Young people in here learning to engage and interact with your parents. Like, my parents just don't understand me, you know. They tell me, I was your age once. No way. They they were never my age. They don't understand what it's like. They don't and and I'll be honest, in reality, for young people, it is different. And it is more challenging than when we were their age because of social media and because of the engagement that we have. I mean, when I was growing up, your built-in friends were the kids that lived in your neighborhood and you could ride your bike to their house. Now it's like, who's on social media and who's this, and how many friends, and how many likes. So the pressure is there, but the principle is still the same. And communication can help bridge that gap of understanding. Husbands and wives, spouses, in your relationship, the communication and the way in which it works, you see, it's a skill set. But here's the thing, while it is a skill set, it's something practical that you do. And I want to give you some very practical ways in which you can grow in your communication, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, and in your families. The thing about communication that's different than anything else is it has to do with your heart. It's not just about doing, you see, because as Wendy and I have walked with people for so many years, there's times where you're going, well, I've worked on these conversations, I've worked on this stuff, I've worked on how to engage and interact with with what's happening and to communicate these things, and it's just not working. What's happening? Because it's not about The quick fix, it's not about the life hack. It's not about all the things and doing it correctly. You see, because your spouse will know when your heart's not in it. It's about you becoming. It's about you being. It's about the engagement and the interaction and the relationship that begins to happen. And so you've got to grow in those ways. You've got to develop that muscle. You're thinking, man, I've done all the stuff that I heard in a message, I heard in a podcast, a mentor told me to do, but it's still not clicking. I'm still not getting through with my teenager. My kids still don't listen. My wife and I aren't seeing eye to eye. There's a fracture in my communication, in my relationship with my parents. Why is that? What's happening? Because you have to recognize it's so much about what's happening on the inside, not just externally what you're doing on the outside. I I saw this study this past week. It says this. It said that 99% of people, spouses, particularly in marriage, deeply care about their loved one. I thought, well, man, I, I feel for the 1%. Who's the 1%, man? i are like, 99%. But here's the thing that was attached to that statistic. It said that 82% were unaware of challenges and deep-rooted issues that were going on in their marriage. And the reason why? Lack of communication. Lack of communication, the ability to communicate, to let people know, to let your loved ones, to let your spouse know where you're really at. Young people feeling, I don't want to be a disappointment to my parents. And so you hold it inside and you internalize and you put pressure on yourself to try and make it happen because you don't want to disappoint. You don't want to make them look bad, whatever it may be. But in reality, God's wanting to do a work inside of you. You see, it's not just for marriages. It's every aspect of life. Every relationship in your life, and we can all get better. Regardless of where you're at in your relationships, regardless of where you're at in your marriage, regardless of how long you've been serving the Lord, this area is an area we can all grow in. This has to do with your EQ, not your IQ. You can expand your EQ, your emotional quotient, and how you engage and understand one another and how you learn to listen and how you learn to go, okay, I'm not just trying to do all the right things. I'm actually allowing God to do a work inside of me, and I'm actually trying to understand and grow in my relationship with my loved ones. Well, it's going to take communication. Communication, it's key. But what happens is when we have challenges, when we're struggling, when we don't get along, there's a couple of lies that we begin to believe. Maybe you're in a relationship or maybe you're two, three, four, five years into marriage. Maybe you're 15, 20 years into marriage. And you're going, well, man, I mean, you know, it's like we're just having challenges. Maybe they're the wrong one. Maybe they're not my soulmate. Maybe they're not who I should have married. You start buying into that lie. No, it's going to take work. We tell young married couples and we tell people when they're about to get married and they're in premarital counseling, marriage is the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's the most rewarding. It's the most rewarding. It's hard. It takes time. It takes communication. You may think, well, we're just not compatible we just don't connect. Or or as I said earlier, you feel like, well, my parents don't understand me. My kids don't relate to me. I don't relate to them. All the things you think, well, well, if, it, if they were really the one or if this was how it should be, it would be so much easier. No, it's not true. You think, well, well, they're just not the person I thought. Uh, they're not who I'm married no they are but they may have stuff that's come to the surface or maybe they have their own issues that they're, they're walking through and those things come up and you have to begin to communicate and dialogue and work through those things so what happens is this the God, God has he has a pattern and now he longs for your relationships and marriages to look so there's a pattern there's a delivery system But the enemy has a pattern as well, and he tries to come in and bring division. He uses a lack of communication or broken communication to kind of break up God's pattern. But we don't have to be ruled by those things. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. When you look at the word Ephesians 5, just to give you a little context, Ephesians 5 Is like, that's like the pinnacle of of marriage. Paul's unpacking what it looks like to be married, healthy marriage, what that looks like, and how you live that out. But he sets it up with, guess what, Ephesians 4. And he's talking about, in Ephesians 4, it is like, that's the go-to when it looks to communication and how we develop and have good, healthy communication. And here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. He's giving a pretty clear pattern here. He's saying, this is not about you communicating what your preference is. This is not about you communicating what your point is. This is not about you trying to win the conversation. He's saying, listen, the words that come out of your mouth, let it be wholesome. Let it be encouraging and helpful. Let it build others up. Let it be a benefit to someone else. The words that you speak to your children, are you communicating those things because you want them to be compliant? Or are you communicating those things because you want to instill purpose? When you're engaging in your interaction with your spouse... Are you dialoguing and are you speaking things that are beneficial and uplifting to the whole? Or are you trying to communicate your point because you want them to see where you're coming from and your vantage point? Paul's addressing this. And then he gets right into it and he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, verse 30, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, he's not talking about a theological aspect of the Holy Spirit. He's not, not talking experiential. He's actually talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. That what you do and the way in which you operate and interact, it doesn't just hurt when you have unwholesome talk, when you're harsh with your words. You're not just hurting someone else, you're actually hurting God. He cares. In fact, Jesus said, you will know they are my disciples by the love they have for one another. So the language you use and the way you communicate is significant. It's significant because the words you speak are the seeds you sow. And the seeds you sow then in turn produce the fruit that you're going to eat. And when you begin to look and go, man, I don't like the fruit of my marriage or my relationships and what's transpiring and what's going on. You got to recognize that's a byproduct of the seeds that you've sown. And then he says something that may seem a little obvious in verse 31. But it's important that it's all tied up here in the middle of what it looks like to develop healthy communication. He says, get rid of. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. You think, well, that seems obvious. That seems like a no-brainer. But it's amazing how when you're stressed out at work, When you're tired, when you're hungry, when things aren't going your way, whatever it may be, whatever the thing is, it gets you. It's amazing how all of a sudden these things can come out. All of a sudden your responses or really your reactions come out in this way. And what he's saying is get rid of. You know that pile of stuff? That, you, that you're cleaning out of your kid's room, the pile of stuff that you're trying to get out of your garage, that pile of stuff, you what are you doing? You're getting rid of it, and you're going, i got to get rid of it as fast as I can. That's what he's talking about. Get rid of these things out of your life, because if you don't, it's going to impact your relationship because you have unhealthy communication. And he ties it up with this in verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, that's the source. That's the source. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness comes from staying rooted in what God did for us through Jesus. I'm going to have healthy communication, healthy interaction. I'm going to grow in that way when I'm rooted in what Jesus did for me. So if if I were to summarize verse 29 through 32, I, I would say this to you. I'd say healthy communication is intentional, it's vulnerable, and it's life-giving. You see, it's intentional. It just won't happen. You have to prioritize it. But the good news is you can get better. You can get better. It's like the love languages and and, and learning to understand where your spouse is coming from. I shared with you, uh, I think it was last week, how Wendy's love language is, is physical touch. And we're walking in the mall and we're walking for an hour. And she's like, do you even like me? I was like, I love you. We're engaged. She's like, you didn't hold my hand one time while we walked in the mall. I was like, are you kidding me? But guess what I've had to do now? If you ever see me, I'm hanging all over Love Biscuit, you know. And I, you know, I may give her a little pat here and there, just saying, you know, just being transparent and honest, holding her hand, you know. Well, I've had to learn, right? I've had to be intentional. I've had to grow. She's quality time. Let's sit down on the back patio and and do what? Like we we cleaning? Are we planting something? Are we doing? No, we just we're sitting and doing w- what? just that, sitting, like, all right, guess what, I've had to be intentional and learn, but it takes vulnerability, it takes vulnerability, it takes those conversations where I'm going, hey, Wendy, how can I love you in this season, how can I grow, what can I do different with, with our children, but we don't like vulnerability, we don't like vulnerability because the truth is we've been hurt in relationships. We've been hurt in the interactions that we've had with our family. We've been hurt maybe even with one another in a season of life where we weren't growing in our relationship with God. Or maybe you didn't know better. We did things or didn't do things that hurt our spouse or our loved one. And we didn't realize, but we have to be vulnerable with one another. Men, listen, women as well. Women have a hard time being vulnerable, but men, we especially... Because we like to compartmentalize, we like to go. Well, let me just do. I don't like. Are you telling me like I I, like I gotta like be in touch with my emotions and I gotta share those? Yeah, we don't like that because we can live in a society that that seems as though that's weak. But it's not about emotionalism. It's not about just being emotional. It's about being vulnerable. Because when you're vulnerable. That's what Paul's talking about. When you're vulnerable, you begin to grow. It's a heart issue. You see, communication is a practical outworking. It is the process, but it is a byproduct of a heart issue that God does inside of you. And what happens is now it becomes life-giving. The words that you speak, there's power for life and death in the tongue. We'll talk about that later. But what happens is we get so wrapped up into this and we get so overwhelmed by this that we just don't know where to go. And I'm not just talking about theory. Wendy and I have been walking with people, counseling people, doing pre-mail account for over 20 years. But it's not just in the interactions that we've had with other people. This is in our own life. Mentors that we've had in our life helping us understand and helping us recognize. You've heard me tell the story. I mean, I'm like two years into marriage, babe. I got no problem. 98.9% of the time, you are right. The problem is 99.9% of the time, you're wrong in how you tell me what you're right about. And I don't want to hear anything you have to say when you come at me that way. So guess what we had to work on? Communication, because the only result was we keep butting heads. Because listen, that little Cajun queen over there, she's strong now. She's the oldest of three girls. I'm the oldest of three boys. And when you're the oldest and you get two oldest, it's kind of like you, some of you remember because you're old enough those Mountain Dew commercials, two Rams just button heads, you know? It's like that's what it was like early on in marriage. We've had to work on communication, it's hard. We don't understand, we don't recognize why, what happens, and we think it's just going to take care of itself. Well, it'll it'll fix itself. No, here's the reality and here's the truth. If we don't communicate, our emotions don't go away. They go unresolved. And unresolved issues in our communication, it's like an an undercurrent, just waiting. And then you wonder, where did this come from? It all of a sudden exploded. It's a byproduct of a lack of communication. But guess what? Here's the good news. We can all get better. It's a skill that we can develop, we can grow in if we're intentional, if we're vulnerable, and if we're life-giving. So, so how do we do that? Over the next few minutes, I'm going to give you something practical. I know we set up Ephesians 4, and, and, and I want to make it very, as I was thinking for you, because look, we asked you, we, we, we sent in, hey, text in these questions. What, what are questions you have? And so many questions that came in from all of our campuses. You know what they all came back to? This real root issue. How do I communicate with my spouse? How do I communicate with my teenager? How do I lead my child? How do I do that? It all principally came back to this particular issue. So how do we develop healthy communication? What are some things and what are the practical steps that we can take to begin to do that? Well, here's the first thing. Start the conversation with God. Start the conversation with God. You see, when you process with God first, something begins to happen. He does a work inside of you. But here's how most of us start. We start talking to God about someone else, our parent, our child, our spouse. You know what God inevitably does? He starts talking to us about us. God, let me tell you about this. And he started, well, what about? No, 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 but God, you're not listening to me. Like that wife you gave me, like she just come at me. I mean, she is persistent now. Now I know perseverance is a fruit of the spirit, but like, I mean, like she gotta let up. And he's like, Well, well, hold on, let's talk about you. No, no, no. I don't wanna talk about me, God. I wanna talk. No, go to God first. You see, because what begins to happen is God begins to work inside of you. And when you begin to do that, he starts dealing with your default self-defense mechanisms. We all have them. We all have them. If you're in a conversation and it's not going the way you want, you just ignore and drag. Okay, I hear you, but no, here's what we're going to do. I'm the man of the house, or no, 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 I mean, I'm the spiritual leader of the house, and well, I wish you were the spiritual leader, so I have to be the spiritual leader. That's what, that's what wives are, but God, I wish my husband was the spiritual leader, you know, and the husband's like, spiritual, what does that mean? Like, how do I even do that? And so you just ignore and drag, ignore and drag, or maybe you give a little cold shoulder. Some you got a little cold shoulder touch. You don't like how the conversation's going, and it's kind of like just quiet, you know. It's like, is everything all right? That's yeah, it's fine. Like fine, that ain't fine. I'm telling you right now, the temperature in the room is frigid. It's frigid. Maybe maybe it's it's you know, you're passive aggressive, you know? In the way you interact, in the way you communicate, in the way you respond. Maybe you're just like, "Oh, well, you know, it'll take care of itself and and it it'll, it'll be fixed." Maybe you give the silent treatment. Maybe you're physically present but you're emotionally disengaged. You're you're there and you're hearing Your loved one, you're hearing your child, you're hearing your teenager, you're hearing your parent, but you're not listening. You're hearing your spouse saying what they're feeling and how what you're doing or not doing is causing them to feel, but you're not listening to where they're at. You see, when you go to God, what begins to happen is when you have a moment with God, you begin to ask yourself, God, why am I compartmentalizing? Here's what I've learned walking with people for so long. Myself included, we compartmentalize because we're wounded and we don't want to be hurt. So we insulate ourselves. Well, that's great if you're a Yeti. And I don't mean Bigfoot. That's not real good when it comes to relationship. That's great if you're an ice chest, but that's not who God designed you to be. And so we insulate ourselves thinking, oh, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay, and in reality, then we wonder, why is there fractures and friction, and there's all these challenges in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids, because we've insulated ourselves and compartmentalized, but when we go to God first, He starts to do a work inside of us. You see, the breakthrough you're looking for isn't with your spouse, it isn't with your child, it isn't with your family member, the breakthrough you need is with God. And if you have a breakthrough with God, he begins to do a work in your life and in your heart, and that will then impact every other area. So we're going to start with God first. And after we start with God, then here's something you can do. You create a safe space. Create a safe space. Establish some clear boundaries. Here's, the, here's how we're going to talk. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here are the things that we're going to say. Here are the things we're not going to, when we're in an argument, we're never going to throw the D word out. Divorce. We're never gonna. We're never gonna respond. To this we're not gonna raise our whatever it may be, because for some of you, there are things that you may or may not do that could cause you and impact you in such a way that it challenges you in a significant way that you do default to those self defense mechanisms. You may go, you know what? I know you need a minute, but hey, in our house, when we're not seeing eye to eye, you're not gonna hop in the car and go for a drive. You wanna know why? Because. My parent, my dad, my mom, they bailed on our family. And so here's what the enemy does. That loved one starts feeling like, well, now you're just like my parent that bailed on my family. And you're thinking, well, I just need a minute. But you know what? You don't realize that every time you get in the car to go take a 15-minute drive to clear your head, when you come back, you don't understand why your loved one is giving you the cold shoulder and they don't want to hear anything you have to say. Because for them, they feel like they did when they were five years old and their parents left. You think, well, they should be beyond that. They should be over that. Well, maybe so. But you know what? That's what happens when they go to God first and when you go to God first. You start seeing where each other's at and you start working on creating a safe space. I've realized that most of the time in my marriage and in helping other people walk through their marriages, if these two things will be the focal point on the conversations that you have, it will help you. And these two things tend to be the thing that when they're not taken into consideration they cause friction and fracture in conversation and it's timing and tone typically it's one or the other sometimes both you got bad timing and you got a bad tone in the conversation and you're wondering why don't they hear me how come they don't listen you got terrible timing your tone you're like real pa- I mean I'm loud So there's times where I get excited, and and Wendy's like, hey, hold on. And Wendy's from New Orleans, so they got one volume. It's loud. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? You know, it's like we got to work on timing and tone. If you would work on timing and tone, you'll work on creating a safe space for conversation and communication in your relationships and in your marriage. Parents, the same is true with your teenager. I'm just telling you, I love you mom and dads, but your timing and your tone is probably so off at times with your teenager, you wonder why they don't respond. And you're like, well, Pastor Chris, I mean, I took them out for Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's Christian chicken. They should really be excited. You know, I was really kind. I didn't raise my voice. Timing and tone is not about what you think is great and fun. It's about understanding the heart of your child. And here's the unique thing that makes it so hard to be a mom and dad. Every single one of your kids are different. You're like, dang, you just get it down with one and then you got another, and you're like, I gotta relearn this whole thing, you know? And it's like, but if you'll work on timing and tone, you'll create a safe space for conversation and communication. And what begins to happen is this you start understanding, okay, listen, it's not just about me communicating what I want to convey, it's about me learning to listen. It's about me understanding where someone is coming from, it's at me understanding that what I'm doing is impacting them. And listen, when you're let's say you're in you're single in here, you you work on communication now. You're not waiting till you get in a relationship or waiting till you get married. You can work on timing and tone even now for your, in your relationship or with your future spouse, whatever it may be, with your family, with your children, whatever it may be. If you're single again and you're going, "How do I interact with my children?" You can do those things even now. You don't have to wait Because when you create a safe space, here's what you begin to do, and here's what you're actually communicating to your family and your loved ones. You begin to then seek to understand before you react. Seek to understand before you react. If you'll do that and you go, I want to seek to understand rather than to be understood, what happens is you begin to appreciate each other's differences. I love what the writer of Proverbs says, Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You see, it's easy to just let your words fly. That's just how I am. That's who I am. I just kind of say it how it is, but it's dangerous and it's detrimental. It causes a lot more collateral damage than actually needed to happen. And so when you start going, let me seek to understand, let me appreciate Where my spouse, where my child, where my parents are actually coming from. Young people, when you start going, hey, my parents love me. They want what's best for me. They're not looking to be a tyrant and lock me in my room. I promise you. They're trying to instill in you because they're ready for that room to be vacant. They love you, but you're going to be going one day. And they're going to be honeymooning again. And they're empty nesters like, let's go. I was talking to a couple last night. They're like, we're empty nesters. And they're like, I said, what's the best part? They're like. We can do whatever we want. I mean, they're like teenagers again. They're like, in fact, we're they're out here in McKinney. They live in Keller. They're like, we can get a hotel tonight if we wanted to get a hotel. We just going. I mean, it was like you know, they're newly married. It was awesome. Look, young people, they want you to grow. They want you to learn. They want you to be self sustaining because you go move on one day. And it's understanding when you stop a minute, you appreciate where the other person's coming from. I saw this, you know, we we get so quick to jump to defend our position. It's like you're in in a court of law and someone says something, it's like, you know, your honor, I object. You know, it's like you go to battle. It's not a legal argument that you're trying to win. It's a relationship that you're trying to build. And you have to recognize that. And the reality is even our scientists, neurologists, and, and, and communicat- communication pathologists, they understand and they recognize this. Here was a few things that they said in this study about how men and women are so different in how they communicate and how they process. Women listen to show support. The facial expression is constantly changing. Men, you're wondering, why is she making that face? Why did she do it? Did I say the wrong thing? Did I say the right thing? They're, lo- they're thinking about how do I connect? Women, you're going, why does he keep staring at what? What is he doing? Because men, when you're listening to information, men listen to get that information. So they staff in space trying to go, okay, let me gain the information so I can fix it. I got to fix it. I got to fix that problem. But women are going, I don't want you to fix it. I want you to listen. And men are going, well, what's the point of listening if we're not fixing? Like, I don't get it. What are we doing? Like, let's get some stuff done. And they're like, just sit on the back patio with me. And do what? And sit. Communication. She's looking for you to listen, not fix, not solve a problem because she wants to relationally connect with you. What happens is, men, you communicate like a tennis match. I'm going to hit it to you. You hit it back. I'm going to hit it to you. And inevitably, someone's going to win. And more than likely, it's going to be me. Women don't communicate that way. They communicate like a boat ride. And I'm not talking about like a jet ski or a big uh, fast boat with a big old motor. Because guess what? When you're on a big old fast boat, it's bouncing up and down. There's water messing up their hair. I'm talking about like a big old gondola with a brother on the back with a big oar, you know. And you're just sitting there. And you just staring at each other, talking and sitting. And, and what else are we doing? We're, we're just sitting. Because that's how they communicate. It's just a flow. And they want to connect, and, and but when you appreciate where they're coming from, rather than you going, well, you know, I don't got time for that, and you try and compartmentalize, and you're ready to move on because you seek to understand. You start appreciating where they're coming from, and you begin to become intentional about relating to them and communicating with them. Because when you seek to understand, here's what begins to happen: you start recognizing the two most important words in your relationships are simply, thank you and I'm sorry. You're going to say that a lot. And if you communicate that a lot, you're going to see transformation and change and growth continue to happen within your relationships. And then lastly, what you need to do is just simply take small steps. Never minimize the power of an encouraging word or moment. You see, small steps, that's what leads to significant moments. Wendy and I talked a few years back, and we talked about we, we want to really, we, we want to collect memories, not just simply things. And so we, we became very intentional about those things, and it, and it came back to the vulnerability. There was a season where Wendy Was talking to me and she was like, I said, babe, how can I love you? How can I love the girls in this season? And she said, you know what you can do? It's like date nights with our girls. Our girls are getting older; they want to spend time with you. And I was like, okay, date nights. We're gonna do that. I I need to do that. I need to be a better dad. And so I, I I meant well and I wanted to do it, but I never really put it on the calendar, and so it never really happened. And then I remember we had a conversation again. Guess what? I had to be vulnerable. What can I do different? What can I do better? And she brought it up again. So I said, okay, I'm going to make a change. And I put it on my calendar. And I put it in there. And I, and I didn't just put it in my personal life calendar. I put it in my work calendar. Why? Because I want to communicate to myself and to everyone on the team. Look, I'm busy Monday at 530. Don't schedule anything around that. Don't schedule anything that's going to bump me too close to that. Because guess what? At 530, I've got a date with a little girl that I want to discover her heart. I want to know where she's at. And we haven't been perfect at it. And I don't have it all figured out. But I'm trying to take small because I want to know their heart. I want to develop communication. What is it that you could do? It could be coming of age, you know, ceremonies or moments. It could be manhood ceremonies. Your, your young boy is transitioning into to that season. It could be uh, taking intentionality in different seasons of life. It could be moments where you're being intentional about the conversation. It could be quarterly. It could be weekly. Whatever it is, just take a small step with your spouse. And here's the thing is when you take a small step, the intentionality about it, it communicates care and it communicates love. You see, when we begin to take small steps and we, we, we don't minimize the power of that moment, what begins to happen is we really begin to live out intentionality, vulnerability, and life-giving communication. That's what we all want. That's, that's what we want. That's where we're wanting to grow. That's where we're wanting to learn. That's where we're wanting to develop. We want to see significant change in our relationships but it's got to start with the words that we speak. I mentioned this scripture earlier in Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, we've seen all kinds of people facing all kinds of challenges. You've faced all kinds of challenges. You you may be staring at the potential end of a marriage. Maybe you're having a challenge with your child. Maybe you're experiencing something difficult in your relationships and in boundaries and conversations perhaps with your parents. Maybe you're a young person feeling misunderstood and out of place in your family and feel like your parents don't really see, recognize or understand where you're at or what you're walking through. But here's the thing those practical things, you you can take small steps. You can seek to understand, create a safe space, but it all starts with going to God first. You see, because if we go to God first, He begins to work on us. He begins to help our delivery system, the process of what humility and honor looks like as it's lived out every single day. When we think about Not trying to win a conversation or when we're vulnerable and recognize, man, I feel like I'm being a good dad, but I'm not hitting the mark. And it's kind of painful when Wendy's going, hey, you need to date our daughters a little more and be intentional. And it's not that I'm not wanting to. And again, it's not that I have it all figured out or I'm perfect. But I'm just wanting to take a step. It all starts with going to God first.